Good morning once again. Welcome to Calvary. I'm so glad each of you are here this morning. So glad you got up this morning and came out. Christmas is over. You guys glad? Yeah? Christ has come. The baby is born. All the presents are opened. We lit all the candles. So what's next? What's, what do we do after this? I love the imagery of Christmas that a baby is born because when a baby comes into your home and into your family, it changes everything. Nothing is ever the same after a baby is born. Like your whole life is taken and flipped upside down and shaken <laughs> and spread all over the floor. That's <laughs> just kind of having a baby come into your life changes everything. And, and inviting Christ into your life is very similar to having a child. It's, inviting Christ into your life changes everything. Life can't be the same. It'll never be the same. So how, what, what are the new life responsibilities? Like when you have a child, you have to get up and feed it and take care of it. What are the new life responsibilities now that Christ is in your life? Now that Christ is in your life and that you're following Christ, many of you maybe invited Christ into your life over Christmas or you've been walking with Christ. What are those responsibilities as taking care of our relationship with Christ? And we're going to use that lens to look through the story of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we just read this congregationally as a church body, but I'm going to read through verse by verse. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now we don't know a lot about these guys. Some people think they were kings. Some people think they were wealthy because of the gifts that they gave. But we know they were probably pagan. They um, probably studied the stars, astrology, and, and wanted to find things out. And they saw the star and it seemed like it was different. It was weird. So they wanted to go find out what it was. They found this prophecy about a child being born in Bethlehem, connected the two dots, and decided to go and find it. Go on this great adventure and find the new child. And they said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Where is he? Where is Jesus? Your first responsibility to a new child is to be present, to show up. You've got to be there. If you never hold the baby or see the baby or you're never present, it's not going to be healthy. So you have to spend time with the baby, which is hard because the baby wants time at times when you want to sleep. <laughs> it's hard, but, but that's, that's part of being a parent. And in the same way, your new life with King Jesus requires you to be present. Your life with Christ requires you to be present or else you're not going to have a great relationship. So how do we do that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, it says, you, you, me, you are the body of Christ. If you want to be near Christ, if you want to be present with Christ, you need to be near each other, present with the body of Christ. If you want to be with Christ, then you have to be with each other. We are the body of Christ. And individually members of it, or as the KJV says, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. We are individually members of the body of Christ. So when I'm hanging out with Keith, I'm with the body of Christ. When I'm with Zach, I'm with the body of Christ. When I'm with Ryan, I'm with the body of Christ. We're with the body of Christ when we're with 
each other. And Paul urges, uses this imagery to explain that if you want to be with Jesus, then you need to be with each other. Most cars run on gasoline, right? There's some diesel cars. There's even biodiesel. Who knows what biodiesel is? Okay, some of you car nerds know what biodiesel is. That's like vegetable oil, basically. It's like this biodegradable, like animal fat, vegetable oil. They take like the leftover stuff from the fries and they modify their car and dump it in and it can run on biodiesel. And your car could be converted and run on biodiesel, but that doesn't mean that it's its best fuel. You can build a car that runs on biodiesel, but it's not, it's not the best. It's not what, what is normal. It's not how most cars are built. And in the same way, you can individually spend time with Christ in your own quiet time, but you are designed to spend time with Christ in community. I am designed to spend time with Christ in community. That is how we are wired. He is, Christ prefers the method of working in the church, in the body of Christ. Think about it. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out two by two. Never alone. Never alone. Two by two. So think about this. How much of your spiritual life is team-based, connected with each other versus just solo devotional time? How much of it is team-based and community-oriented versus individual? The first thing the wise men did was try to go and see or be near Christ. So let's see what the second part of that verse says. The second part says this, we have seen his star in the east and we are come to worship him. We want to worship him. We want to worship him. And we renew wonder by worshiping the king. By worshiping the king. Isn't that an awesome concept? You worship the king. And when we worship, it does something inside of us. It connects us mysteriously, physically, emotionally, spiritually with God and fills us with wonder. And it's awesome. So worship the king. That sounds great. But how am I supposed to do that? How are you supposed to do that? How are you supposed to worship? Everybody needs to learn guitar. I'm joking. We need some bass players and some drum players. No. Is worship just music? What is, what is worship? Well, let's read on and maybe we can get some insight into how to worship the king as we read. Keep in mind, how does one worship Jesus? So, in Matthew chapter 2, we go on. We're going to see Herod. Verse 3, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Herod was troubled. He was bothered by this news from the wise men that there was this baby that was going to be the king of the Jews. He, was, he had worked very hard to establish himself as the king of the Jews. Herod had. He had done huge renovations in the second temple, the second construction of the temple. He spent tons of time, money, taxes, project management to do all these amazing construction projects. Um, the temple mount towards the north um, was another one that he did. Herod's lineage was of an Edomite, which is not Jewish by nationality. 
but his father's family had converted to Judaism. And Herod's rise to power is largely due to his father's good standing relationship with Julius Caesar. So Herod was unexpectedly appointed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate because there were problems in Judea. So to try to win over the people after he's appointed king, he marries the granddaughter of one of the families that had ruled that area for generations. Now the problem is he's already married. So he sends his wife and his son into like banishment. He like banishes them to another country so that he could take this new family and be look Jewish and have the right relationship and the right he was focused so much on his career and his his job that he he just got rid of his wife and kid. It's crazy. And he did this in an attempt to secure his claim to the throne and gain some Jewish favor. And to me, this really points to a high level of insecurity in Herod. Herod was a really insecure guy. He not only wanted the position and the title of king, but he really had to have the respect of others. He had to have the respect. You had to give him respect. If you didn't give him respect, he was not okay. If he didn't feel like you really respected him, then he had a problem. He was just could not live with himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have banished his wife and kid and spent all this money and time on these construction projects. So when he hears a child is born to be king of the Jews, he's like, well, that's my job. I'm the king of the Jews. No child is going to take this from me. I need to find out where this child is and deal with it. And all Jerusalem started freaking out because when somebody is insecure, they're unstable. When somebody is really insecure, they're unstable. Why are they unstable? Because they're not dealing with things at face value. What you see on the outside is not really what's going on. They have another thing on the inside that they're filtering everything through. When we are insecure, then we're not who we present ourselves to be. Because the heart of insecurity is the belief that who I am isn't really presentable. That's the heart of insecurity. Who I am isn't presentable. So I can't really show you what I really am. I've got to make up this other thing so that you like me, so that I look good, so that I can maintain this persona and this image of who I am. So then everything we say and do is layered because of insecurity. And that makes us unstable and unpredictable because we aren't sharing our true wants, needs, and even our true self. We're not telling people what we really want and need because I, can't, I couldn't ever say that out loud. Instead, we're telling people what, what we think they want to hear that we want and need, which causes all kinds of problems. Insecurity will kill your ability to worship. Insecurity will absolutely kill your ability to worship God. It will. And another way of saying this is that pride will kill worship. Pride will kill wonder. Because pride is just another word for insecurity. Pride does the same thing. It forces us to hide our true selves because we have to maintain this external image. We have to. We have to maintain this presentable image that we work so hard to establish. And others must respect us. Respect the image that we've built and only address the image we have built rather than talking to who we really are. Think of the Wizard of Oz, right? Wizard of Oz, spoiler, 
They get to the end of the road. They go in. They talk to the great Oz. I am the great Oz. How dare you address me? The fire and everything. And they're all like freaking out and scared. Right? How dare you address me? And then they notice there's this curtain. And the curtain, the little monkey opens the curtain up. And they see this older gentleman behind. And he's moving all these dials and stuff and pulling on things. And he said... And he turns around and notices his curtain has been opened. And he says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> it's so silly. It's so silly. But this is exactly what we do when we struggle with pride and insecurity. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. No, I can fix it. I can patch up my image. Don't you dare speak to me. Only speak to my avatar. I mean, we all know people like this, right? We all know people like this. It's like you're never really talking to them. You're only talking to like this, this image, this persona. It's like, it's like they're on the morning news show in real life. <laughs> you know when you're talking about the morning news show, everybody's like, hi, oh my goodness, cranberry sauce. And it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened in her entire life. Like she's never seen cranberry. She doesn't give two hoots about this, but her face is like, and you meet these people and you're like, you're not really there. Like you, this is a, you're pretending. This is an act. And pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's pride. It's insecurity, and insecurity will kill worship. Insecurity will kill worship. Herod was insecure, and his insecurity put everybody on edge. And the reason that Jesus prefers to work in community in the body of Christ rather than individually is because it's really hard. To keep hiding behind the curtain in community. We can keep it up for a while, but when we really hang out together, it's hard not to see who we really are. It comes out, it seeps out the edges, and we're found out. And in ministry teams or in a small group, you will be faced with challenges and conversations that will eventually let people know who you really are. And to see the, the person behind the curtain. And when this happens, one of two things will usually happen. When, people, when the curtain is opened up and you're discovered, one of two things usually happen. You will either respond like Herod or you will respond like the wise men. Look at what Herod did in verse number 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. So he's, he's asking, he's trying to get information, and he's pretending to be interested in this. He sends them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. I want to go worship Jesus. So tell me about this. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So Herod is pretending. Herod doesn't go and see the child. He doesn't get up and be like, well, let's go see. Herod is far too important to go see Jesus. Like, he's the king. He is far too important to go and see Jesus. It would mean dropping his image. I mean, what would people think? A king going to see a child born to show up at someone's house like that? That would seem strange. 
he, he couldn't do that. Like, no, no way he could do that. And I, I sometimes wonder what would have happened if Herod would have said, all right, let me go see. If Herod would have went to see Jesus, maybe it would have changed him. But Herod continues to hide behind his own agenda rather than creating space for the agenda of the kingdom of God. Meanwhile, the wise men are rejoicing. They see the star. They rejoice with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They deferred to Christ. When they got to Christ, they deferred to Christ, and they fell down and worshipped him. You know, it's really hard to look cool while you're falling down. It's really hard to look cool falling down and getting on the ground. Somebody show me how to do that and look awesome. It's really hard to maintain that like respectable image falling down and worshiping a baby. And if you're worried about what you look like, insecurity or pride, then you're not going to be able to worship Christ. Because self-consciousness will wreck your ability to worship. Self-consciousness will ruin your ability to worship. If you're worried about looking cool or that people might might make fun of you or say something or ask, oh my goodness, you see so-and-so do such-and-such on, then you're, going to be, you're not going to be able to worship. You're not going to be able to connect with Christ. Last night we went axe-throwing with Zach and Melissa, right? Some of you guys saw this video on Facebook. I'm going to play it. Let's see if it plays. Um, if it don't, I'll be fine with that. But uh, <laughs> let me show you this. Going to play? No one's having an issue today. Let me go back. I'm going to disconnect, reconnect. Maybe that'll fix it. I am an IT guy after all. Uh-oh. may never come back. Now the projector's not showing up at all. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> that's not going to work. Let's see. Disconnect that. Make that thing. Show it up. Can you hear me now? So, it always takes longer than it does, right? I'll just tell you guys the story. So, my wife, a video, you can check it out on Facebook. If it reconnects, then um, I'll try to show you. Oh, okay, here we go. We're going to give it one more shot. It might not be meant to be, which could be a sign. Could be. Oh, it's not working. Okay. It's just not going to play. So, it's going to be all choppy. She throws. <laughs> she got a bullseye. It was awesome. She hit the target. She got a bullseye. And um, at the end of the video, she kind of turns around and makes a sly little grin. You don't know, unless you know Lee, but I know the sly little grin. And what she was saying when she turned around and looked at me was, who's the man now? Okay? <laughs> it was absolutely what she was saying. 
and I wish I could show it to you, but it's, it does, it's not working. This is my wife's throw. Mercifully, there is no footage of me throwing an axe. Um, she did, however, take this very graceful photo of me, if it will come up on the screen. We'll see. Um, and uh, when, I, when we first got there, the guy showed us how to throw. It's just not wanting to work. When we first got there, the guy showed us how to throw. And, you know, he explained to us the one-handed throw, explained to us the two-handed throw, and then it was our turn to, to throw. So I get up, and I'm like, I'm all excited about trying new things. So I take the axe, and I go to throw, and I throw it, and immediately I hear, no! Just yell, no. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And it was my wife uh, exclaiming that I had done it wrong. <laughs> and I'd, I like to think that what she was really meaning was, sweetheart, I think you released a little too early. Maybe scoot up a little bit and release a little sooner. Or a little, yeah, I think you released too late. You know, scoot up a little bit and release a little sooner. But that's not what I heard. Okay? What I heard was, oh, dear Lord, what have I done with my life? This is the man I married. And, you know, I felt like, wow, my masculinity is on the line here in my ability to throw axes. I mean, my masculinity, I, I didn't think my masculinity was in question, but don't answer that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I just didn't know, know what to think or what to do. Um, so I, I threw, and she said, <laughs> I felt like she was saying, no, no, what have I done with my life? And uh, <laughs> let me turn these notes on. And I felt like I had to prove myself by my ability to throw the axe. Is that what my wife was saying? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, but probably not. That was my insecurity talking. You know, my insecurity was talking and I had to deal with this in this moment. That was my pride talking. And when your insecurity or your pride speaks, you have two options. When your insecurity speaks and it says, you're not really a man because you're terrible at throwing an axe, you have two options. Number one, you can listen to its premise. Okay? Because your insecurity is setting up a frame of reference to think about things. It's setting up a frame of reference for how you're going to respond. It's, it's challenging you to respond to this question to this premise. The premise being that you're not really man enough or you can't throw or you're no good. Okay? You could accept the premise that they have set, which means that this evening would turn into an evening about proving my masculinity, proving myself as an axe thrower, which means that I must win at all costs. And must win Ron is not a fun Ron to be around. It's not. Must win you is not a fun you to be around, probably. Right? We've all been must win you. Breeze, like, <laughs> you guys, you guys are, uh, yes. Uh, must win you isn't, isn't so fun. It's not a great person to be around. And then I have to worry about not just throwing the axe, but I have to worry about how I look while I'm throwing the axe. And you try to manage that in your brain. Like, do I look cool enough? Do I look. You know, do I, am I flexing? Do I need to flex down here or something like that? It would be insanity. Like, 
You can't manage all of that in your brain and then perform an athletic task. It's not going to work. The second option, first option is accept the premise that I have to now prove myself. The second option is to reject the premise. The curtain is open. They've all discovered how terrible of an axe thrower I am. And there's a good chance I'm going to look really dumb. But I'm going to trust that these people that I'm with, Zach and Melissa and even my wife, love me. They care about me. And even if I look dumb, they're still going to love and accept me in this place if I allow myself to just have fun, look dumb. Because that's what love does. These people will still love me even if I look dumb. Because that's what love does. This is the stuff of the kingdom of God. And I choose to embrace life. Because that's what worship is. That is exactly what worship is. In, um, in the temple, when the temple was originally built, there was a section called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a place where not even priests got to go. Only the high priest and only at a certain time of year they could go into the Holy of Holies. And between the regular temple area and the holy area and the holy of holy areas, there was this curtain. There was this curtain shielding the Ark of the Covenant and the place where they would sprinkle the sacrificial blood from the other priests and from the people. It was the signification that you are not welcome here. You are not holy enough. You are not clean enough. You are not good enough to be in this place. You can't be here beyond, beyond the curtain. But when Christ died on the cross, the Bible says that the, the veil was torn in half and ripped open, signifying that the kingdom of God has come near. That God has bent down and brought himself near. He became human. Jesus has come to be with us. And even though God had to turn his back on Jesus on the cross, he did that while Jesus took our sin upon himself so that he could then turn his face towards us. The veil could be opened and he could see us and we could know him. And we could connect with Him. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Except that the curtain now open. The inner veil before the Holy of Holies. Sin is defeated. Evil cannot win. Brokenness is no longer a disqualification for coming into the kingdom of God. Now we have grace. And grace is really a simple concept. Grace just means the space to look dumb while you learn. That's what grace is. It's the space to look dumb while you learn. Every employer that hires a new employee, if Jim hires a new employee at the machine shop, he knows this guy's new. I'm going to give him space to mess up. He's probably going to ruin something. It's going to cost you money. But that's the cost of 
bringing on a new employee, of training them. He's going to learn the lesson. He's going to figure it out. He'll fix it. And then you'll have somebody that's, that's qualified that you can rely on. It takes space to learn to do stuff. You're going to look silly while you're learning. And in the Old Testament, there's all this imagery of, of this pure lamb without spot, without blemish. That's the only acceptable sacrifice. The only acceptable worship. And none of us are that. None of us are perfect. None of us are pure. We've all got mistakes and mess. And the amazing thing about grace is it creates a space for us to look dumb and learn how to be obedient to Christ. And that is so cool. The wise men didn't let fear of looking silly stop them when they told the king they've come to worship a baby. They didn't let fear of looking stupid keep them from falling down before baby Jesus. They didn't let the fear of what other people would think for giving such a lavish, expensive gift to Jesus and his family. And the angel told them in a vision, don't go back to Herod. And they didn't worry about Herod hunting them down and finding them because they didn't return. The willingness to look dumb is what worship is all about. Worship is willing to look dumb to practice obedience. Willing to look dumb to practice obedience. So, it's the end of 2019, right? What steps of obedience to Christ are you taking? What steps of obedience to Christ are you taking that make you worried about looking silly or looking dumb? Because I would challenge you, if there's no steps in your life, in your walk with Christ, that threaten that you might look silly, that you might mess up, you're probably not walking in grace. Probably not. Probably not taking advantage of the grace that God has lavished upon us so that we can learn. And what happens when we're worried about looking silly is we don't learn. I can't do that. I don't want to look dumb. And people will make fun of me. And I don't want to, people judge me. And I will say, so I'm not going to then try. I'm not going to pick up the axe and just throw it again and throw it again and throw it again while it looks stupid and it hits the ceiling and it hits the wall and flies back. <laughs> you know, until I finally get to a place where, hey, I could throw the axe. And I scored more points than Melissa. So that's something. But you got to have grace. You got to have a space to try. So what is the area in your life where you're, you're worried? Ah, I kind of look silly here. I might, I might fail. Like, this is scary. I, I might, I'm risking something here. Where's that spot in your walk with Christ? What is the step that you need to take? What have you said no to this past year? Because you were worried you might fail or be rejected or look silly. Because if you truly want to worship Jesus, then that's probably what you need to do. It's probably what you need to lean into. It's probably what you need to explore. If there's not some area of your life where you feel like you're flailing around like an idiot, trying to figure things out, then you're probably not walking in grace. Probably not learning, and you're probably not growing. So I challenge you to trust this community. Trust this community. I've been at this church for Almost 20 years. Came here in 2000. Now going to be 2020. 
And I got to tell you, in the last 20 years, I don't know anybody who has looked more dumb than Ron Hudson and more opportunities. There have been many times when Ron Hudson looked really silly and dumb. And I got to tell you, it's worked out really well for me in this community. It's worked out well. This has been a space where I could be dumb and learn and grow and get better and then be dumb in a new area as in learn and grow and get better. And this is a space. That's what church is. That's what the community is for. And those of you who knew me then know how far God has brought me. So in 2020, I want to challenge you to join me. Join me in saying no to insecurity, saying no to pride, and yes to Christ. And yes to the body of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we trust You. We want to trust So God, I pray that as we think about these areas where we're insecure, where we're worried we're going to look silly, where the, the man behind the curtain, the woman behind the curtain inside of us is freaking out and trying to pay no attention to the person behind the curtain and frantically trying to cover up. God, I pray that instead we would let the curtain stay open as You tore it open. And allow ourselves to walk in grace. Embrace the grace of this community as we learn to follow You. To walk in obedience as we actually try. We'll mess up and we'll try again. And we'll learn and someone will correct our form. And we'll learn how to be obedient to You. To follow You. To walk in Your kingdom and Your disciples. God, I pray that You would encourage someone to take a step that's risky. That this next year, they will lean into something. Lean into a new role in a team. Join a small group. Start giving. Start showing up more regularly. Lean into relationships where they've been pushing back and afraid to trust. God, give us, give us grace to try, to learn, to grow, to look dumb when we need to. God, I pray that you bless this congregation. Thank you so much for grace so that we can learn be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.